welcome to Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zarati. I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press music reporter Aaron Labar. We have the giggles today. We do. It's It's been a major giggle day and we can't really explain why we have the giggles because when we explained it to a colleague of ours, he just kind of frowned <laughs> and walked, walked away. away because... Mm. Well, we'll try to get into it a little bit later. We'll get into that in How Was Your Week? Yes. But uh, we, have, we have two guests. We do. It's a on banner week. I, I know, think because we were off for two weeks mm-hmm. unintentionally. Yeah. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we have two guests today. We have Jill Wilson, our colleague and friend, who is going to come and talk to us about this amazing story and tell us why she was away all summer. It's so good. Get ready to cry. Yeah, you like it's buckle up. And uh, Ben, Ben McPhee Sigurdsson is going to come back on the pod to do... He ca- quote unquote spooky wines for budget wine of the month club because it's October we're getting close to Halloween spooky wine and I walked by his desk and he hid the bottles from me so that I couldn't see them so I'm very now I'm very intrigued as to what is about to happen <laughs> how are your weeks well I got married you got married congratulations was, thank you um, it was the day after the state of emergency snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we need to talk to the listeners about this. Yeah. Um, if you are a listener who lives in Winnipeg, you know, you that know, we were just throttled by a horrible snowstorm in the middle on of October, October 11th. I will, uh, unprecedented. Yeah. It hit on like a Thursday that Tuesday, the Tuesday before it was plus 20 Celsius. Celsius. Yes. It was like a beautiful summer day. Uh, yeah. So it's, things started kind of blustering on third. We had looked at the forecast ahead of time. We were prepared for like a little bit of snow. Mm-hmm. You know, they said we're going to get, we're going to get snow. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, I was at work and I saw the environment Canada. And then we saw, then we, worse. then we saw the red severe weather watch yeah. banner on the environment Canada website. And I'm like, huh, wonder what that's about well and you know it was just like a winter storm watch so like and it looked like winnipeg was just gonna get rain right but then on the thursday into the friday this is october 10th and 11th um the snow started coming hard and fast oh man i don't know i don't actually know how many centimeters fell i think it was about 35 centimeters so that is it snows in winnipeg in october occasionally not like that never like that so it was to the point that the trees' leaves had not yet fallen, so this heavy, wet snow was sticking to the trees because their leaves created kind of like a little mesh, and trees were down everywhere. Oh, but yeah, just I, It was snapped. like a tree graveyard. I've never seen that before in my life. And we have written lots of stories about the, the tree fallout from the yeah. storm because it's just unprecedented. And it's like, also, like, horrific. Like Yeah, well, our, as, you know, as we've talked about on the show before because I wrote that big piece in the summer, like, Winnipeg's tree canopy is already it's under a, siege yeah. by yeah and it's kind of like a signature and, element of our city yeah who knew like we talked about the dutch elm disease we yeah. talked about emerald ash borer who could have predicted the carnage right. of a snowstorm in right. October? so it's friday it's the it's, day before our friday. wedding i am literally in bed in tears and I, then i moved to the couch and continued to cry <laughs> not because i was like oh no my wedding's ruined but it was everyone was traveling that day mm-hmm. and i it was more like oh no all these flights are going to get canceled they're not going to get their money back hotels have been booked like I, I was more concerned about the cost to my friends who were traveling yeah. who have like taken time off work and like none of us are like 
millionaires, right? So $500, $600 that you've just lost is yep. like a huge Absolutely. amount of money. And I was just like almost at panic attack level to the point where <laughs> we went to go pick up, we had little chocolate boxes as favors. And I used to work in this chocolate store for a long time. So it was my friend who was in there and I made my partner go get them because I was crying so much that I knew he would make fun of me. And, so, and then so we went to the venue to do setup. My lovely aunts and uncles who had come into town earlier in the week were like drove through this blizzard to help us set stuff up and everything was fine. <laughs> but like anytime someone came to talk to me about anything, just a single tear down my cheek. I was just yeah. like catatonic. Well, I understand. Like it, it's just so unexpected. And then not only was it unexpected, it was so bad. Yeah. And like a little bit of snow, totally fine like 35 centimeters of snow plus the wind plus the down trees plus travel issues plus rain I was not anticipating that and all the power outages power outages my parents power was out the day before I mean all things considered the Saturday was a beautiful day the sun came out things started to melt it was a beautiful wedding it was a beautiful wedding I was there (laughs) it was it was very good we had a like it was a wonderful perfect lovely day but that Friday just about killed me (laughs) <laughs> it, uh, I had to wear my Sorrells under my wedding dress I uh, to care, to get to the trolley because the slush was so deep at my parents' house. Well, I considered doing the same thing as a guest, um, but I was going to say that I appreciate how concerned you are about the people who were coming to your wedding. Yes. Because what I was thinking about for you was, man, it's not even just like snow. It's like slush rain from the sky yeah and you have to haul around the most expensive garment of clothing you will ever buy Yeah, we walked in garbage we walked to the hotel (laughs) after because we were just at the fairmont which is a a two minute walk away and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna put my boots on i'm gonna haul my dress up to my thighs and we're gonna walk over there and people were honking at us and waving (laughs) and it was really like the day itself was wonderful and great but i could have done without the natural disaster fair enough yeah so that, yeah, that was a big part of my weeks away. And we had lots of family in town, lots of friends traveled to be here. One of which brought her partner and he's never seen snow before. And they flew in that Friday night and <laughs> he was like, what the actual F is going on here? <laughs> yeah. And then three days later, I fell down and rolled my ankle. So yeah, the <laughs> so world it's just, just been like keeps... a high highs and low lows here. So that's a good segue into how was my week, which is yeah. I'm basically a doctor now because I believe I have correctly diagnosed your ankle as being broken. (laughs) Um, So today we were looking at Erin. Well, Erin showed me her ankle, which has been, I wish sometimes that there was like a visual component to a podcast. So you can see how swollen her ankle is. And it's been a week. It's been a a solid week. week, And it's really has not gone down in my (laughs) estimation. So I was like, "Mm, let's see. So apparently ankle V sprain is something that many people Google. Oh, like broken yeah v because sprain. it's confusing yeah. yeah yeah broken versus sprain so to see if you know fracture or less bad yeah than a fracture Erin pretty much has every symptom of having a fracture <laughs> as I said usually when I use Dr. Google I'm like three for ten in terms of severe yeah. symptoms this one was like five for five so had, had the pop had the numbness and tingling yeah had the pain in the yeah so for some reason it's not funny when you explain it like that, but for some reason we were just losing it, dying. Yeah. Like I cried off all my makeup because I was laughing so hard. So then a colleague of ours walks over and he's like, 
why are you guys having so much fun? What's so funny? And we're like, ha, 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 Aaron's been walking around on a broken ankle. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> if, if there was a real person who was the line mouth emoji, it was him. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I guess I'll go take a trip to Pan Am tomorrow morning and I'll fill you all in next week. On- yes. Hopefully you're not on crutches or a boot. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention about the past couple weeks um, we have another podcast yeah. in the podcast stable. We now have three free press Are podcasts. We Empire yet? I mean, we're getting there. Okay. Um, Jet Cetera is the new sports podcast that's hosted by sports editor Steve Lyons and sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Uh, we're producing it. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Because sports. we're like, <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about, but we know how to make it sound good. So, yeah. um, and I learned how much a hockey player made when we recorded it this week and I, <laughs> my mouth was agape. So check it out. They're on their second episode and I think it'll be like every two weeks ish. Mike travels a lot. So it kind of just, they'll record it when they, they can, but yeah, check that out. Um, before Jill comes in to tell us about her kidney, <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert, it involves a kidney. Yeah. Um, my friend is the writer for GQ and he wrote this piece about how um, in order to save enough money for retirement at 65, at 65, millennials, should, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, millennials should be saving 40% of their income for the next three decades. <laughs> yeah that's <So>, and <laughs> that's adorable yeah and, and basically it goes through all the reasons why we will need so much more money in retirement because food costs in the last 30 years have gone up 200 or 400 percent medical care in the states has gone up 600 percent i think Co- inflation was something like 212 211 percent yeah um college tuition uh Costs have gone up more than a thousand percent since 1978, I think was the year. It's just, it's. And then the the kicker was that (laughs) in actuality, most millennials are putting 6% away. I think it was even 5% or 5 or 6%. It was very low. low. It was a single digit. We were like 35% off from the goal. And it made me both laugh and cry. It was a true lol sob moment. (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting because I started saving for retirement when I got laid off because mm-hmm. my pension was paid out. And right. basically so you, you had to put it somewhere. Take yeah. the money and be taxed or put it into an RRSP. So that's how my RRSP started. Mm-hmm. I don't contribute as much as I probably should right now because I was trying to deal with some debt. Um, and I felt behind and I don't like, I, I'm not, rolling in it but I also don't have nothing saved either right so to hear that and it's just like oh my god like especially if you're like already in your 30s it's like well uh, yeah geez <laughs> I mean we've talked about this a little bit because we carpool so we talk about things in the mm-hmm. car about how mm, we don't really know what what working is gonna even look like yeah. in a decade or two or what retirement is gonna look like in a decade if it will even exist well that's the thing like yeah I-, I think a lot of these types of articles i appreciated this one because it kind of laid out like here's things are it's not your imagination things are way more expensive than they used to yes be. from housing to food to schooling to all these things yeah that you need to live um 
But it's interesting to me that we still cling to the kind of industrial revolution work schedule that we've had for, Mm -hmm. you know, centuries. Um, Or maybe a century, I guess. I don't know when the industrial revolution was. I'm trying to sound smart. (laughs) It's really really falling apart rapidly. But, you know, a long time where it's been... But, like, a work week has been part of, well, our culture for, yeah, for a very long time. Absolutely. So when the industrial revolution happened... It kind of divided the 24-hour day into thirds. So you had eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work, eight hours for leisure. We still live like that, even though most of our lives aren't like that anymore. So now you have, like, so the hours of leisure, well, you're spending that making meals, potentially driving kids to school. Potentially potentially working more. Working more. Um, You know, all these things that have been designed to save us time just kind of give us more time to work like it's you know that's kind of what it's about right it's just not give us more time for leisure but more time to work so we were talking about that the other day about how in I don't know 10 15 years when this generation starts being the ones in charge yeah I don't yeah I don't know what the workplace is gonna look like because I think it will be different because I think a lot of millennials are really disillusioned by capitalism and yeah you know, kind of putting in all this effort and well, seeing so little return. As I was saying to you, I mean, the reason why this generation is struggling so much is because they're working within the confines of an economy someone else made and Absolutely. someone else made the rules for. So like, why, why couldn't that change? It's, you know, it's interesting because um, there's that piece of it. And then there's also the education piece Mm. so i mean i think a lot of millennials specifically american millennials although canadian schools cost a lot of money too um if we could find a way to get rid of student debt hi how are you right (laughs) it would allow millennials to participate in the economy because right now it's happening there's two things happening and um I should, we should start including reading lists actually with the pod every week. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so I was reading a piece in the New York Times just kind of wondering why people in the, kind of the top 1% of wealth don't stop working. And often they continue working and they just continue building more wealth. Right. So there's two things happening. One, you have um, a generation of people who are trying to get entry-level jobs, typically too overeducated for them, have a hard time breaking into the workforce, graduated when there was a recession, right. all that stuff who are being crushed by student debt. And then you have people who, because I think there's more billionaires now than there ever have been. Oh, yeah. Um, they are hoarding wealth. So instead of spending it and stimulating the economy, economy the way middle class, yeah. upper middle class people do, yeah. they just hoard it all. So it's actually not coming back into the pool. Right. So when you have those things together, wh- what do you do? Right. You know? and, and like for me personally, I do carry student debt because I did go to school in America and like super transparent. I pay the equivalent of rent to my student debt every month. And if I didn't have that debt, I would be able to afford to purchase a house and put money back into the economy. But instead I'm like, well, I can't afford to do any of these things, even though I have a good paying job that I've had for several years and, and live in a, you know, more affordable yeah, like City. we we are yeah, and like in a more affordable apartment. <laughs> like we we don't live extravagantly by any means, but I, we're still like s- struggling to hit those sort of quote unquote life benchmarks because Absolutely. we just can't afford to. And then people start 
turning it around into an issue of entitlement or work yeah. ethic or yeah, et cetera, no. et cetera. I mean, you want to talk about work ethic. This is a generation that suddenly turned every single hobby and thing into they monetizer, yeah. into, you know, into money. the side hustle. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting to think about retirement. And I also think, and we've talked about this too in um, the context of climate, but I think humans just have a hard time thinking of the long game mm. so like i can't really imagine being 65 and like let's hope the earth's here yes <laughs> so I, I you know saving for that doesn't feel i don't have the sort of the specter of like a deadline right it, and mm-hmm. i mean my work process is the same <laughs> like it's like <laughs> i need this to be happening now so i think just that kind of forward planning we struggle with anyway but so i guessing millennials really do because it kind of starts to seem hopeless do you feel like people are gonna all of a sudden hit the age of 60 and be like oh my god i don't have any say like do you feel like it's gonna be that late i think i don't know if it'll be that late i think people panic in their 40s and 50s mm. um because then suddenly I don't. I think everyone has like what I. You're call, edging towards death. Well, that's the thing. I think everyone has what I call. Have I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod before. I have a theory that everybody has a mortality birthday, and oh. that is the birthday <laughs> that you reach, and it's different for everyone. Where I'm you're dying. Like, oh, I'm hurtling towards death. For me, it was this birthday. It was 34. Oh, well, that's, <laughs> like, that's ominous. Oh, a freak out. A real thing. I thought was. In 16 years, I'm going to be 50. Like, it's just not <laughs> reasonable at all. But I think everybody has that age where they're like, oh, right. Your scary age. Yeah. yeah. You're, oh, oh my. So. I think mine's going to be like 42. Yeah. I feel like that would I be I think everybody has age. like a panic. Or yeah. Like, oh, I forgot to have children. You yeah. know, like. <laughs> I, forgot. <laughs> I forgot to make Save an USB. Yeah. I also think um, the other piece of this huge puzzle, uh, which I am hoping to write more for uh, about on a f- feature that I am thinking about um financial illiteracy mm. so I think a lot of people in our cohort don't know how to make a budget I think they don't know how to I don't think they know what an RRSP is yeah I was gonna say I don't understand my pension like not even a little bit oh yeah like I want to go to like we periodically have pension meeting we we have jobs with pensions which is also very rare yes. for millennials yeah um but like literally sometimes I just want to be like put up my hand and be like what's my pension what is a pension <laughs> how much is in there like how do I find out this information <laughs> yeah so I think there's a lot to learn about finances and I think when you know you kind of are moving out late or have different priorities. You don't really have to worry about that stuff mm-hmm. um, in a way that maybe a few generations ago they would have had to. Like, you know, I, I think about my parents. By the time they were my age, they had two kids and one of them was like approaching junior high age. You know, right, like, right. it's you know, my grandpa became my grandpa at 44. Oh, my God. Which is 10 years older than I am. Oh, now. my God. You know, so it's just different. And so I think, um, I think all those pieces kind of have to come together, but yeah, it's a 40% yeesh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeesh is right. Jill Wilson is joining us on the podcast today. Uh, we kind of teased it at the front, but basically we're going to reveal why you were gone all summer. Yes. And that it, you know, you're one of the people who can say, I donated a kidney <laughs> and all I got was this crappy t-shirt. Yes. Uh, yeah. You donated a kidney. So I guess just explain to listeners out there how that came about. Well, 
I knew that uh, our coworker Alan was uh, suffering from kidney disease, and um, I had a little bit more insight, probably, into his condition than most people in the office because um, we're sort of friends outside of work, and also my good friend is a dialysis pharmacist, so they had spoken a bit more about his condition. So I sort of knew how dire it was. Um, I also just I have a personal interest in organ donation, so I I knew that people who are O negative tend to be on the donor list for a really long, the deceased donor list for a really long time. And you can only be on dialysis for so long. So I started just to start thinking about it. And you know how when you start thinking about something, it keeps coming up all the time. Every TV show I watched would be like live kidney donation. And that's what I say. <laughs> I sort of thought, you know what? I'm healthy. And, uh, <laughs> okay, continue from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm healthy and I'm in a position to be able to do it probably without too much bother to myself which is of course my main concern <laughs> that I not be inconvenienced <laughs> and uh so yeah I just thought okay I'm gonna I'm gonna s- step forward and be tested just to see if it's even a possibility like if we're or even a match so and so you were not a match I was not a match and um I was disappointed by that which is how I knew that I wanted to do it it's like otherwise I, I would have been relieved right if normally but I wasn't. I was like, well, that's that's really unfortunate. And so I was offered the opportunity to go into the kidney paired donation program, which is run by Canadian Blood Services. And it, it, it takes all the unmatched pairs uh, in Canada who are willing to go enter in. And they kind of use an algorithm and jumble them all up so that they match, that, so that they're, they're, they form chains. So each pair I would give to a stranger and a stranger would give to Al. That's the shortest pair. Or they'd be more couples involved and more people will jumble but in the end every single person gets a kidney so the person that I wanted to donate to would get someone else's kidney but end result kidneys for all do they reveal like how many people are part of your chain or is that a secret it's a secret just because it makes it easier for you to they don't want you figuring out who you're giving to right but I do know I I suspect strongly that there were six pairs in my chain because I was told that it was very long and the longest they had done before this year was five and so they, everyone kept talking about how big it was. So I think that there were six. Yeah. So. Yeah. There was a lot of elements of this that you kind of had to keep secret. Like you couldn't talk about what city you were going to nope. and nope. how I- many people are in the chain and all those kinds of things. So like for you, I would, that would end me. <laughs> well, I'm terrible I, and stuff like that. Yeah. But. And I, I slipped up a couple of times. I mean, it's not, it, it's not the end of the world, but it's just, they don't want people on social media being able to, there are people who have come out and, and told the media like a whole big story. And they were like, no, 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 we don't want, you know. Um, but I, the other, the hard thing about it is that you're in a strange city by yourself. I mean, you have a companion with you, but you're going through a medical procedure and your friends aren't there and your family's not there. So that that you have to be willing to do that. And you also have to be able to pay for the expenses up front, which is another barrier to, to KPD, which is unfortunate because I think more people would do it if it were made more, um, financially viable that you didn't have to pay first out of pocket and then get reimbursed for your travel expenses and stuff. So what has your recovery process been like? Cause you were off work for like almost two months or six weeks, seven, seven, seven weeks, weeks, seven yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, <laughs> I could have come back sooner. Um, I obviously I'm going to take the time that I was given, but, um, I, you can't lift anything over 10 pounds for two weeks. Um, and you're kind of exhausted. Like I felt fine. But I felt by three o'clock in the afternoon, I would have to have a nap no matter what. And it was the kind of nap where it was just like, I got to, this is it. Like, <laughs> I must be sleeping right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of, like, I went back to the gym after three weeks, like not, not super strenuous, but I was, um, 
doing classes and stuff, I, I felt pretty fine. Other than just being tired, it was uh, it was okay. And I, I didn't like to wear pants because the skin around your incision just feels sensitive. So Who likes pants? Nobody oh, likes nobody. pants. But if you're going to do this, I highly recommend you do it in summer where you can wear a dress if you're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Because then you're like, uh. yeah. Was there anything that, were you nervous? Before going into the, like, Oddly, the really door. not. I mean, my dad was a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. I worked in a medical clinic for years. My two best friends are pharmacists. I'm, I'm pretty like savvy about medical stuff. And I, I was fine up until like about five minutes before I got wheeled in and the, the transplant coordinator in the other city came to talk to me and she was just so kind and like, and she got all teary and then I got all teary and then I started to worry about, I don't like pain and I didn't want the, um, there's a massive, massive needle that goes in your arm, in your wrist for the IV. And I just, I thought I, that's going to make me pass out. But luckily I didn't even have to experience that. So it was uh, The fine. size of a McDonald's drinking straw you said. <laughs> yes. ah, it's, it like, literally made my stomach turn when I yeah, read that. And that's the only thing that, that really bothered me about it. Like I, I, I think it's cool. Like I like medical stuff. So I, I you know, I would have been happy to be awake and watch them do it if I could have been. So. And you had a special kidney that had two arteries. I did. It had two renal arteries, which is, I think, only 17% of people have two. On, and they always want to, I don't know why they take it. I think they take it from the left because the left usually only has one. Mine had two, which meant the surgery was longer because they have to disconnect it in two places. And then after it came out of me, they kind of spliced the two together into one. So they only have one to attach into the person they were putting it into. And they take it out of your front, which is something I didn't realize. It's in your back, but they... So interesting. Yeah. And yeah. they put it in when they transplant it into the other person, they don't remove that person's kidney. So they've got an extra kidney. They've got three kidneys. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. That is I thought so it was interesting. Like a, a swap situation where you take out the yeah. one that's not no, working, you would you think, put in the new one. But I guess because what if it doesn't what if it fails? Mm. Then they still have their old their old kidneys to go back on. And I guess why put them through more surgery of that it would probably take longer and be I don't know the details for sure. <laughs> but it also didn't look how I expected because we ran a photo of your kidney in the paper. I know. It's um, crazy. It, it didn't look how I imagined kidneys to look. No, I thought they would be dark red like a kidney bean. And also they don't look, the shape isn't quite what I, not as kidney-ish. Well, it kind of looked like a heart to me. Yes. Like a yeah. very similar shape. But there's also this layer of fat on it that they remove before they put it into somebody else because they want to make it as small as possible because it does kind of stick out in the new person like it's an extra organ right so they have to wear a binder to kind of hold it in for a while um but yeah they take the layer of fat off so i think it would have looked different once it was all cleaned up but still we should have done a content warning before we <laughs> <I> guess. <laughs> so like long term what kind of side effects did they kind of tell you to expect like will there be any there th this is another reason that i was okay with doing it is that there's there are almost no ill effects other than um you will Almost everyone gets high blood pressure when they get older. People with one kidney will probably get high blood pressure, requiring medication earlier in their lives. Um, and your mortality is unaffected. You live to be the same age. Actually, uh, you know, statistically, people who have donated a kidney live two years longer than the general population, but that's because... They're just good people, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your extra two years for being a good exactly. No. For being and that's a good actually, it's actually, I don't want to live two years longer than most people, but it, it's because you're, you're generally healthier going in. So you're if you compare to other uh, healthy people, it's the same, but if you compare to the general population, you're usually a healthier person, so you, you live longer. So, yeah advice to people who have heard this and are like hmm i'm inspired to do this would you recommend absolutely um everyone at gift of life program transplant manitoba is just so lovely and supportive and 
they're so careful to make sure that you're well informed every step of the way and there's so many opportunities for you to drop out if you're feeling like it's something that you can't do but Manitoba has so many people that need kidneys it's very likely I imagine in many people's lives that they are going to at some point know someone who needs a kidney and what I was hoping this article would do was sort of um, destigmatize the idea of like right now people can't even get on the donation list until, until they're already on dialysis if more people came forward and we're willing to be live donors, even for strangers, which a surprising number of people actually do just give to whoever wants a kidney, they'll give one. Um, but then people, a, a transplant could be the first line of defense rather than going on dialysis first, which is time consuming, draining, and not particularly effective. So, I mean, live, tra- live transplant is by far a better option than dialysis. So. Yeah, it just seems like a way more sustainable. Yeah treatment option yeah. versus I mean there are people who who live on reserves up north who are having to to live in Winnipeg most of their lives because they have to have dialysis three times a week in a hospital such situ- setting which is just like that's not a life right it's very difficult to, to have a normal kind of existence like that so and the piece which you can find at winnipegfreepress.com um Al also wrote about his experience and that part made me cry I, I was know. like <laughs> there's a lot of the both pieces that were super funny and then mm-hmm. yeah I was like oh my god so yeah just I guess you know working with him and being able to do that for him like how does it make you feel it, it's it's it feels amazing like it's it's seriously I, like I said in my piece it's I feel like I'm the one who was lucky like I got to do something that didn't really seem to affect me very much and it affects someone else so much and actually sick potentially six other people were affected which you don't you're not encouraged to think that way you're encouraged to think about it as a one-on-one donation even though there were other people involved but I think about it as like six people got new kidneys within two days of each other in cities all over Canada and it's so yeah it's you don't think about it once you've done it you don't think about it all the time but then reading Al's article I was like oh I made a difference (laughs) well thank you so much for being here Jill and telling us all about your kidneys my pleasure anytime We're back. Ben's here. Hi. It's been a little while. It's been a while. Has Welcome it back to the pod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, our theme this time, I believe, is quote unquote spooky wine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like made by ghosts or mm-hmm. cauldron or. Well, I was sort of given carte blanche uh, to to interpret that that uh, theme as I saw fit. And I've, I did find something pretty scary. Okay. Scary <laughs> I'm to like, me. I'm a little bit alarmed, actually. Well, it's, it's not only does it have like a, a sort of spooky theme but also it's like it's just there's some things going on here that i'm very interested to try uh but that could be a little bit scary so so this is something that you've never tried before no oh sweet no i opened it at my desk just now just to i don't know to let it breathe or whatever so or so that i wouldn't have to like fumble <laughs> with it in front of the microphone or whatever so okay does that mean does that mean it's a cork situation uh it's a synthetic cork um oh. which is sort of becoming a little bit more popular now i don't know there was sort of a big move towards them and now there's a sort of bit of been a bit of a move away from them for whatever reason anyway without further ado this wine is do you have any guesses uh it's not a pumpkin spiced wine is it have something you like already murder in the title or like mm. blood apothic inferno see <laughs> I jokingly said, get apothic, mm-hmm. and you did it. Mm-hmm. Well, oh this is no my. regular apothic. Oh, 
This that is Apothic Inferno. That label is... It's even scarier, right? It's, it's pretty on, scary. It's looks a lot like it's on fire. It's got some hellfire happening yeah. here. Well, wait till you hear what's in it. So, oh, I'm ready. So Apothic is a red blend from California. It's very... It's, it is, I think, quite literally the most popular wine liquor mart sells. Why? Um, well, it's, it, so they made this wine, uh, Ian J. Gallo make it in California. And so it's a sweet red blend. It's, it's a red blend uh, of different, different, uh, pretty popular California wine grapes like Zinfandel and Tietzera and I don't know, Merlot and stuff like that. And then they ratcheted up the sugar a little bit. So, <laughs> so, uh, most dry red wines are ha- clock in at about between zero and four grams per liter of residual sugar. It's pretty much non. You can't you can't pick it up even. Um, anything above that, you know, four to seven, eight sort of is usually not very discernible either. It might taste a little fruitier. Uh, Apothic is like sixteen or seventeen. Oh my or god, something like that. So, so it's the Halloween candy of wine. You're pretty saying. much, pretty much. So this one is a little bit lower in the residual sugar department. I looked it up. It's five point six grams per liter, which is quite a lot lower than I thought it was going to be. It's a, some blend of Zinfandel, Syrah, Merlot, Petit Syrah, probably some Cabernet Sauvignon, something like that. It's it's a weird wine, though, because, well, I haven't even tried it yet. Maybe it's not weird, but there's a lot of weird things going on. It's 2016, blah, 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 small batch, limited release, aged in whiskey barrels for 60 days. Now, this is another popular trend that's been happening. You see beer that's been aged in whiskey barrels. You see whiskey that's aged in, like, sherry casks or port casks. Um, and now this new thing is like flipping that on its head and aging wine in whiskey barrels. I don't know why. Like there's a few producers from Australia and a few from California in particular, and maybe a couple from Canada who are doing it. And the couple that I've tried, they just impart these weird sort of smoky, overpowering flavors. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what this is like. So yeah, Apothic Inferno, um, made in the States. What's our price point on this? Do you know? It's Fifteen ninety nine. Okay. So it's just at the edge of the reasonable price point, but uh, for for this this segment. But um, so there's that. Um, it's um, actually doesn't say anything about California in here. It just says um, product of USA. So it couldn't Maybe also. Maybe it was made in hell where those fires are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so it could well it could contain grapes from other states, I guess, because it does. If it doesn't say California. That makes me think that it c- it maybe there's some grapes in here from, I don't know, Washington or New York State or who the hell knows? Arizona, for all I know. Um, I think there are wines in Arizona. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, it's also 16% alcohol, which for a red wine, like red wine typically falls somewhere between low end 12.5, high end 14.5. 16% is like, that's, that's pretty high. And I guess maybe that's... Because imp- of all the sugar? No, actually, because this one is lower in sugar, but it probably has something maybe t- maybe imparted from the whiskey barrels. I was just going to ask. Maybe it's from the whiskey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could be. I don't know. But uh, So I pre-opened it. So <laughs> I'd win it. In my head, this is going to be like smoke red wine now that you've been talking about whiskey. It, it I've could already be. have like a flavor like in yeah. my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go. no, I was thinking about it too, and I sort of opened it just to, to I don't know, let it breathe or whatever. But I maybe just that's the inferno. Yes, maybe it's seen for no. It it doesn't smell super crazy in the bottle, but we'll, we'll see what it's like in the glass or whatever. So, do this. Ooh, that's quite dark. It is. It's almost black. Yes. Yeah, so it? now there's apothic, apothic, dark. Yeah, it's really dark. Apothic. Um, there's a few of them. Apothic Inferno. Apothic. Um, oh, I think there's a white as well and a rose, but they they all I don't know they they all seem to be riffing love on the, the same sm- thing. I don't really love the smell of this to be honest. It's smoky, all right. Yeah. 
like I do actually now oh, that yeah. I don't know if it's because you told us mm-hmm. about the whiskey, but mm-hmm. I do kind of smell a whiskey finish on it. Definitely. No, it de- yeah, it definitely has that sort of like vanilla, sort of caramel. Yes, vanilla. Sort of a little yeah. bit of spice in there too. Doesn't really smell a lot like grapes. It just sort of smells like <laughs> no. cherry candy. Oh, thrown in a barrel. <laughs> Jen's going in. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to bring the spit bucket. Oh well. Well, you're gonna have to just swallow it. Mm-hmm. Mm. You can also see. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> it you can also it burns. <laughs> see in the glass. You can also see in the glass that like, so it makes these streaks down the side. It's called legs. And the higher in alcohol the alcohol is, the slower the legs sort of come down the side of the um like that the glass. Just, it just tastes like alcohol. Like it, it yeah. doesn't really have much yeah. of a flavor profile to it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah. The, oh my gosh. <laughs> so you get like this. So if you want to get drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So it's got like this sort of like this little bit of like cherry candy right at the front and then suddenly it's just like it's like someone took the cherry candy and just smashed it with a piece of wood and then took the piece of wood and shoved it in your mouth (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) halloween everyone halloween yeah this is quite scary actually no but it's a it's yeah and then and then once the flavors are gone and they got kind of disappear fairly quickly then it just like you can feel the heat in your chest right like it's i was gonna say "Mm, it tastes Mm -hmm. like heartburn like it's right there yeah it's so which is weird because it does smell like those vanilla notes are so strong mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, the scent mm-hmm. that I don't taste any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. It's um, uh, I mean, all of that stuff comes from the barrels. Now, yeah, I don't find this as sweet as the regular Apothic Red. Um, so it's got that going for it, I guess. But uh, it, everything else, it just sort of like, yeah, it's like being, uh, you know, like knocked in, in the teeth with like a baseball bat covered in cherry jam You're very violent in your metaphors today <laughs> well it's halloween it's halloween that's all of a violent wine to be yeah. fair <laughs> you should I, I was i was growling this morning when i woke up i was just in that kind of a mood so <laughs> when i saw this i was like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get this wine <laughs> well mm. i can't say that i would recommend it unless you like stuff that tastes very strongly of alcohol yeah yeah it just well, you're flinching as you're swallowing, so that's probably not a good sign. It just, it really has an aggressive It's super presence. aggressive. <laughs> I mean, if for I, th- I feel like for the regular, your average apothic drinker, and it's a cat. it's interesting, like these red blends, it's a category that people, you know, it's purported to be like, oh, it's a good entry into red wine because it's a little bit sweeter and blah, blah, blah. But people don't actually, once they start on the apothic, they just sort of stay in that. Like they don't actually trend. To move on to like drier red wines they just like the apothic and they keep buying it and that's fine um it yeah this is like i don't know what they'll think of this <laughs> it's uh, creating a most unexpected and masterful encounter unexpected is definitely it's the right correct, word yeah <laughs> yeah I've def- i can totally like acid reflux <laughs> happening now oh my gosh well, thanks for bringing this treat. Spooky. <laughs> Spooky. Scary. My tummy's feeling very scary. <laughs> yes, <now>. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm um, feeling a little flushed, but I feel like it's the high alcohol content. Uh, so we'll have you back again next month, which I think should be like a holiday themed sure, thing. Like sure. Like party. Sure. And party wines. Sure. Have we ever done Beaujolais thing. Nouveau? No, I don't think mm. so. That's my mom's favorite. We could do that. That's always fun. Okay. It's a little bit over the $15 threshold. Well, it's but holidays. You can splash the cash a little bit in December. Tis the season. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thanks as always, Ben, for coming oh, back. My pleasure. Um, as always, you can find everything we're working on at winnipegfreepress.com. 
Jen, do your media. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at Jen's Radio on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Naya Rabble on Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you next week. Thank you.